You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. So this morning, um, I'm kind of taking a slight detour. We've been talking about idols and just different things that we raise up in our lives that you know we're out of place and. I think it's been an awesome series so far. We've had, a, I think, a pretty good response. Most of the time, people just are like, oh, it's so good. And just so you know, I'm mostly preaching to myself every Sunday. Like telling myself what I need to think and believe and do. And so I'm with you. I'm just believing God's really kind of raising us up, maturing us in this kind of season. And so I, I came to this week thinking about speaking on Sunday, and this thought hit my heart, and I honestly, I couldn't get away from it, and if I could have kind of tried to form it into an idol, I would have, but I really don't feel like it is, but I just feel like this is a word that God wanted me to speak today, so here we are, Um, and today the word here is this, confessions, Now, when we hear this word confessions, I think most of us think, especially if you've grown up in maybe any kind of traditional Christianity, maybe Catholicism, when you think confession, what do you think? Telling what you did wrong, confessing your sins, speaking out what you did wrong. Or maybe if it's not just in the religious sense, it's like, oh, I fessed up to something. I got caught and my parents nailed me and then I had to confess, yes, I did that. And so we have this idea around confession, but really confession is this idea, is any time we speak out something that we believe to be true. That's what confession means. And so you can confess a sin because it's something you did. You, you did something and now you're speaking it out. This did happen. I believed it happened. I'm saying it. But confession can also be anything we think to be true. And I don't know, but lately for some reason, I've been around a lot of people. I, I have meetings like every day, all day. <laughs> and I'm meeting with people just all the time. And I constantly hear really bad confessions, and I don't mean their sins. I mean things that they tend to say about themselves that they believe to be true, but I know aren't true. And I I realize this is an unbelievably crippling thing in our lives. When we kind of confess all the time something about ourselves, we end up believing that it's true and What's funny about confession and what we're going to read in the scriptures today is it has real power. You know, even today as we sang, singing these words, for me at times, I will sing words that don't necessarily feel true to my emotions. Like there's a song we sing here and I struggle every single time we sing it. This is a confession. (laughs) And the, the lyrics go like this. He hasn't failed me yet. And I grit those words through my teeth. Because sincerely, my emotions tell me he has. There are things in my life that at times I feel like God failed me in. And so I struggle to sing these words. But here's the point. I know that my reality and what my emotions tell me aren't actually the truth. When I'm healthy. When I'm not healthy and my mind isn't in a good place, I end up agreeing with the confessions of things that are untrue. We we do something here we call restore. 
We've been doing it for 20 years before. It was called Restoring the Foundations. We just shortened it to Restore. And it's this program where you sit with a couple people and you kind of go through this place of walking through your life of all the things that maybe have been hurt and trauma you've been through. And one of the sessions we call this, Ungodly Beliefs. And Ungodly Beliefs is this place where we actually have confessions about who we are and what we're like that actually are ungodly but yet we tend to say them. We tend to think them about ourselves. Sometimes I use this word, I call it broken record thoughts. It's when the record just keeps skipping and saying the same thing over and over. So maybe you in this room, you're looking in the mirror every day and you just think, man, I'm ugly. Wow, I'm so ugly. God, I wish I could be like this person. Or maybe you look and you think, oh, gosh, why can't I lose that weight? I'm just fat. I wish I wasn't fat. And we say these things about ourselves. And here's the, the tension. Sometimes some of them can become true because we actually confess them so much. Oh, why am I always so depressed? Maybe because every day we wake up and think we're depressed. Maybe because I confess it every single time I'm opening my mouth. You know what I, I, I literally chose to stop saying a couple years ago? Now everybody says it to me all the time. But after you say it, I just rebuke you when you're not around. <laughs> oh, you look so tired. And I would go, I am. I am tired. Now, the truth is, I'm sometimes really freaking tired. Because I got five kids. I don't always sleep great. And I'm tired. And there's a reality there. But I decided I'm not going to wake up every day and be like, oh, I'm tired today. And then literally what seems to happen when I confess that is I actually have this spirit of like tiredness that comes on me and then all day long I am just dragging. I'm, I'm confessing something and then it actually can become true. And so whenever we use our words, we have to recognize there's power in them. And this is what I want to start with today. In Genesis 1, we see God create the heavens and the earth and how does he do it? With his words. You know, I've said this before in, in different messages. You know, there's this old saying that we would always say when we were kids. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Like, what a lie. What a terrible, terrible lie. My brothers hit me with sticks and stones. Those things healed. But I remember the things people said to me when I was a kid. You'll never do this. You'll never be able to do that. You'll never this or whatever, and, and I remember them, or, or you're like this. You're so annoying. Anybody ever say that? And then you think to yourself, man, I'm annoying. And we actually can become the very thing that we ended confessing, and there's this kind of cycle of what it is, and I, I see there's power in these words, and we see God even create the heavens and the earth by his language. By the things that he says, there's power. And so there's something we have to recognize, that everything that comes out of our mouth has extreme power. And there's a kind of a choice in the things that come out of our mouth and what they're going to do. One, it's either going to build us up or build those up around us, or it generally is going to tear us down or tear down those around us. There really isn't any maintenance place in words know what I'm hearing, some sort of alarm. Amber alert, oh, okay, sorry. Okay, 
Oh, I see it on my phone too, but I have mine silenced. There we go, Amber Alert. So there's this place where if we confess things, we're either building up or we're tearing down. And so there's something that has to become intentional in our lives about what we confess. Now, before I even get deeply into this message, I want to give you this caveat because there's this whole movement in Christianity called the Word of Faith movement. It really started in the 1960s. One of the guys, you know, that's labeled for starting it, his name's Kenneth Hagin. And, and there's a whole group of people around this. And, and I don't want to speak too poorly about them, but I want to say that there's something wrong with the Word of Faith movement. And, and honestly, there's, a, there's kind of a reaction, I think, in Christianity that has had towards the Word of Faith movement where we get frustrated because you got these guys that are up there, and honestly, they usually take Word of Faith and they pinhole it into one side, which is either about healing or finances, which to me is wrong. <laughs> so they end up declaring, oh, I'm going to be prosperous, and I'm going to have this. And I remember, like, as a kid, I went to a youth conference in this one you know, a guy was telling a story about how he wanted this house, and so he went to the house, and he ran around it seven times like it was Jericho or something, and then he claimed it, and then he bought the house. And I'm like, oh, did he get it for free? And it was like, no, he went and got a loan. I'm like, what? That doesn't make sense. We have these weird ideas that we can name and claim things. Maybe you've heard that language. And here's the, here's the tension I want to give you today. There's something wrong with that whole thinking. Because the truth is, speaking language in any way does have power to it, but it's not like we can get anything we want by speaking language. And so there's a twist in Christianity that happens that if we think we just declare something that we want or we desire or we think should happen, then it's going to happen that way. It's a bad perception. It's not true. Because you can declare things all day long, and sometimes it just won't happen. But there is something about declaring something with our words. And so Word of Faith, the whole Word of Faith movement, I don't want to push it all the way aside, because the truth is, there's something real about confessing the right things. There's something right about getting in our heart truth that we then confess, even if it doesn't feel true. And even if it doesn't feel real in our lives. Even if it hasn't come to pass, there's a place where we could confess things and then God actually starts to see them happen. They start to become true in us. And so there's this idea and this tension that God cares about our confession, but we can't control the world with our confession. And I want to read this one scripture in Exodus 3 where we see God basically give his name. I read this not that long ago. Exodus 3, verse 14, so you've got this story taking place with Moses, and Moses is with um, God, you know, he's at this burning bush, and he's having this conversation, which is a pretty amazing situation, and, and God's telling him, you've got to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go, and, and so Moses says, well, who do I say to them that I'm speaking for? And God answers with this scripture. It says, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. You know, there's a, there's a lot of 
thinking behind this scripture. There's even uh, some stuff with the Hebrew. Some of the Hebrew and some of the translation there would say, it might actually be a little closer to say, I will be what I will be. I am who I am. I will be what I will be. And I, I find this interesting. Like God's describing himself by himself. And actually, if you look at the understanding of God, it's probably the only right way to do it. Because trying to describe God with anything else, any other description, doesn't really get to the high standard it should be. So God literally says, I am who I am. I will be who I will be. Meaning, I can only describe who I am by who I am. And I find this interesting that this is God's confession of his name. I am. And then we get to the New Testament. I got this in your notes. And you, you begin to see these I am statements from Jesus. And these things where, God, where Jesus is saying who he is, and he's giving some descriptions. And you've got seven of them right there underneath in your notes. One is, I am the bread of life. I actually want to read that one. John 6. Jesus replied in verse 35, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. So you've got Jesus, and he's giving this I am statement. He's declaring to the people who are listening who he is, and then he's declaring what does it actually mean for them. I am the bread of life, and this is what he says it is. You'll never be hungry again. You'll never be thirsty again if you come to me. And I like this idea where Jesus is actually declaring who he is. He says, I am the light of the world. John 10, I am the gate for the sheep. John 10 again, he says, I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the true vine. And he gives these descriptions in these scriptures of what does it actually mean for Jesus to be these things. And I looked throughout scripture, and, and honestly, I was really struggling this morning trying to get your notes ready because you can see that I didn't have a lot of space. <laughs> because what you see throughout the New Testament over and over is not only does Jesus declare who he is, but he declares who we are. He tells us who we're supposed to be. In fact, he says a lot more about us than he even says about himself. You know, I was recently having a conversation with my good friend Rod Douglas we were just talking, and actually I was kind of sharing this kind of vulnerable thought that I've had. For about six, eight months, I've had this kind of challenge in my heart where I realized somewhere along the road that I don't really have a lot of joy. <laughs> and, and I was bothered by it. Like, I realized I'm really good at just getting through life. Like, waking up, self-discipline motivating myself, just getting the job done, doing the right thing, doing the things I'm supposed to do, making it through. But I realized I used to be more fun. <laughs> like, I used to make people laugh a lot more. But now I'm just, Jessica always tells me, you're too serious. I'm like, well, life is serious. And I realized that, like, I, I'm confessing this idea about how almost dire 
the situation is in the world. Or how serious people's problems and situations and circumstances are. And I'm hearing the seriousness of people's lives all the time. And I, and I take it to heart. It's, there's this responsibility in my heart when I think about people and, and what they're going through. And so there's this thing where I started to get to this place where I really feel like I don't have any joy. Now, I know what's right and I do it. I'm thankful. I have gratefulness. But man, why don't, why don't I wake up happy? Why don't I wake up like excited for the day? Instead of got this list of like, okay, I got to get these things done today. And I'm like, I want joy. And the reason I want joy is because I started reading in scriptures and I started to realize, and the more I've read, because I read every single day, I see joy come up hundreds of times in the scriptures. And what I found about joy that bothered me even more was it was not dependent on their situation. It was dependent on their choice. And I started reading, and one of the scriptures that hit me hard was John 15. And Jesus is kind of laying out this heavy, heavy thoughts, right? In John 14, he introduces the Holy Spirit, and he says, you know, I'm going to send another one to you, and he's the advocate. And then he goes on in the end of John 14, the beginning of John 15, and he kind of has this back and forth moment where he's saying, listen, if, if you do what I say, then I will come and make my home in your heart and your, my father and I will reside with you, but you have to obey my commandments. And it's kind of this heavy, like, push. Jesus is, this is one of his last conversations with his disciples, right, before he goes to the cross. And he's kind of being heavy about their responsibility and producing many disciples and and fulfilling the commandments and following all of his things. And then he's even saying, if you don't follow those things, then you'll be, you know, pruned off and thrown into a fire. And it's like kind of scary scriptures. And then he gets to the end of that, which is really heavy. And honestly, it's probably been one of the driving sections of scriptures for my life. And it says this, I tell you all this so that your joy will overflow. And I was like, wait a second. So that my joy will overflow. And I realized it certainly isn't overflowing. And I'm not sure how much I have. And th there's this idea that I wanted joy in my life. And so one of the things I've begun to do, and I'm not good at it, is I'm declaring over my life that I will have joy that overflows. And sometimes it doesn't feel like it at all. <laughs> sometimes my emotions say something completely different. But I'm believing that Jesus says, if I do what he's called me to do, my joy will overflow. And I know this, I am doing everything I humanly can to do what Jesus calls me to do. I am assured, I know in my spirit, I have this heart of obedience for Jesus. It's, it's, it's just been built in me at this point. I've spent 20 years just doing whatever I can to say yes to Jesus, to find out what he's asking of me and what he's asking of the church and going that direction. And I really believe I've even done a pretty good job at doing that no matter what the cost is. But for some reason, the result of that for me has not been joy that overflows, and I'm frustrated by it. And I felt like Jesus says, well, it's because you don't confess that you have joy ever. 
In fact, mostly what I confess is how hard it is. Now, I don't say that a lot out loud to a lot of people, but I say it a lot to myself. Man, this is hard. Wow, that person's in a hard situation. Man, dealing with this situation in these people's lives, this is hard. I say it to myself all the time. Now, it would be a lie if I was just trying to do the opposite. Oh, this is so easy. Ah, oh, this is a cakewalk. I know that person's dying. Eh, it's easy. Like, that would be weird, right? But it, that doesn't have to be the situation. I can still say, oh, this is hard, but I will have joy in the midst of it. This is difficult, but I will have peace. Because God promises me peace that passes understanding. I will have joy in this situation and in this circumstance. And so I've begun to try to declare over my life that I am a joyful person. And I started having this conversation. I started to, I forgot I was going back. I was talking with Rod and we were talking about joy. And he said, I am is the name of God. I, and he said, I think I am are the two most powerful words in the human language. And it hit me and I thought, isn't this true? The declarations of what we believe about ourselves and what God believes about us are probably the most powerful things we can say. I am. I mean, God describes himself by himself by saying, I am. And then Jesus later goes on to give us some more defined descriptions of what those things look like in the bread of life and the light of the world and the good shepherd and the true vine and all of these things. But there's this place where we have to actually look at what God has created in us and then choose to believe it or not believe it. Choose to confess that those things are true about us, even if it doesn't feel like it. Even if maybe others are saying the opposite. Even if we're saying the opposite at times. Can our confession change? Can our confession actually begin to line up with the Word of God? And when I say the Word of God, I really believe in the words that Jesus spoke over us as the Word of God as well. So when he declares something, and I agree with the Word of God, I think I'm actually opening the door for it to become real in my life, whereas maybe even just before that it wasn't real. I am. You know, there's this scripture, or this, uh, not a scripture, it's a quote that I've loved for probably over 20 years, really when I first started following God again, and when I was around 20, I read this quote, and I, I've, actually, it's been on my Facebook forever, since whenever Facebook started, and it says this, with God's help, I'll become myself. It's by Soren Kierkegaard, this Christian philosopher, and what I loved about that is this realization that God has created us perfect in his image. And that before the beginning of time, it says in 2 Timothy, that he created us with purpose and good works. Now, the tension of that is that then we were born into the real world. And the real world attached itself to us. And circumstances and trauma and abuse and Choices and decisions and consequences and the environment and the atmosphere of the world and things said over us and done to us have shaped us into things that we are not supposed to be. And so we see this restoration plan 
that God has been working out really since the Garden of Eden, right? Because in the Garden of Eden, we went our own way. And since then, God has been restoring or working out a plan to restore humanity back to himself. Well, we're in the same process as individuals. It's not just this humanity-sized thing. It's also an individual-sized thing. And there's a place where God is calling us back to who we were designed to be. But every time we confess something that's the opposite of that, it's like taking a step back from it. You've got God and Jesus, right? He, we experience him and we receive the grace of, of the cross and we receive this kind of reconciliation with him. And then he's kind of saying, come closer. Let me show you who you are. But we're always going, I'm not good enough. I sinned again, so I can't get close to you. I'm not a good dad. I'm not a good mom. I don't look good enough. I'm not healthy enough. My voice isn't good enough. I can't do that. And we're constantly confessing the opposite of the things that Jesus is saying about us, where he's trying to draw us closer, and we're always backing up from him. And I think there's this place where it's literally crippled us as Christians. It's crippled us in our walk with Christ because we want to do the things God calls us to, but we just don't believe we actually can or are able or are good enough. And so we're constantly confessing the opposite of what is true over our lives and then wondering why we can't ever seem to live in the promises and freedom that God has for us. Our confession has to change. The confession of what God wants to do in me has to change. The confession of who I am has to change. I don't want to wake up in the morning and be like, man, I'm so anxious. No, I am not anxious today. I'm not going to agree with anxiety. And I'm, listen, I'm not trying to be weird about it. I know that you can have actual, you know, anxiety and depression and it's diagnosed over you. But there's also this place of making an agreement with that thing. You might have it, but how about you make an agreement with the promises of God for freedom and get away from it? Because there is freedom. You know that, right? There's wholeness. There's healing. There's not just this partial come to Jesus and you'll get kind of healed. But sometimes we settle for that stuff. We're like, well, you know, this is the way it is. Just get by. Just make it through. And again, I'm not putting us down, but there's a place where we make agreements. There's this one scripture I was reading in Exodus. The students are reading in Exodus lately, so I've been reading a lot of Exodus. In Exodus 23, where God is giving the, the people of Israel this kind of uh, rules about interacting with nations around them. And he says this, make no agreements with them or their gods. And there's this place where I think sometimes our confession is to make an agreement with something that's not of God. And so even when we might have a diagnosis, I don't want to agree with it. And it's hard, right? There's this tension because sometimes it feels fake. It feels not real. Like, oh, I'm struggling with this thing. I've even been diagnosed with something and, and all this stuff is happening. But I don't want to agree with it. Okay, yes, I'm struggling with this, but God, there's freedom in you. You can have both. You can be real, but declare the promises of God over your life. 
doesn't have to be one or the other. You don't have to be this weird plastic person who acts like nothing's wrong in your world. But we also don't have to be the person that's like everything's wrong and it's never going to get better. I am. I am. Mark eleven twenty three. you've got Jesus. He's speaking to his disciples. He says this, say to this mountain to be thrown into the sea and it will. Now, I've never spoke to a mountain to be thrown into the sea and it moved. But I think I get the symbolism here. But the fact is he starts with this, say. There's something about speaking out confession that has power. Romans 10.9, our salvation scripture. What does it say? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. There's a reason that that is what the idea is, that we actually speak something out. That I would actually say, God, you are my God. Jesus, I receive you into my life. That there's something in power when we use our words. There's something that happens when we use our words. Revelation 12, 11, it says, We defeat the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. It's a spoken word. That there's actually power in our testimony. It says that we defeat the enemy. Do you have an enemy in your lives? Is, is the devil trying to come against you in ways? Well, guess what? You want to know how you beat him? With some words. Use some words. Find the scriptures that you know to be true over your life. Declare freedom from the enemy, that you're free from sin, that you're free from temptation. You know, one of my pet peeves in the whole addiction world is the idea that once an addict, always an addict. It's just not real. It's not true. Because you weren't created to be an addict. You were created to be whole. And addiction came into your life and grabbed a hold of you with chains that are really heavy and really hard to break, but you are not an addict. You might struggle with addiction. Addiction might have a hook in your life. But I'm telling you, there's a place of freedom from addiction, but you are not an addict. We declare these things over our lives, and, and I get even the circumstance of where those sayings came from trying to keep an awareness in people's mind that really you're just one step away from possibly falling back into a pit. And there's kind of a truth in that, but honestly, I don't want to live one step away. I, I struggled deeply for years with suicide. Over 20 years ago, and there were these thoughts that would come into my mind, and they would repeat themselves, and I would say them. And you know what's crazy? I mean, there were specific lines, I know that for a fact, that I would say to myself, when life seemed like it was so dark, I didn't want to live. To this day, I can't remember them at all. I can't. I've actually tried to remember them. Like, man, I know I used to say these things, and I, I feel like God's laughing at me like, you don't want to remember those, man. Because I've moved so far away from that line, it's a laughable joke to me now. And so there's this place where I don't want to live just next to my, my freedom from something. I want to get as far away from that thing as I can. But our confessions have to change. Our belief about who we are has to change. It has to line up with who God says we are. And there's, this is the tension. Don't make up things about yourself. 
speak the things over you you know God's saying. This is why I wrote scriptures. This is, just so you know, these ones that are on here are only the ones I could fit with a size 10 font. There's a lot more than this. And this is what I want to do the next couple minutes. We're going to end with communion today. But I want us to read them right now, every one of us, together. I know this is going to be clunky. Some of you are going to go too slow and some of you are going to go too fast. But that's okay. Because it's really not for anyone else hearing. It's for us declaring right now. So can we do that together? We're going to start just under it says, I am the true vine, because that's Jesus. That's not you. Ready? First one. I am complete in him who is head over all. Think about that. You're complete. Imagine if that was true. Just that one. The next one. I am alive with Christ. Number three. I am free from the law of sin and death. I am far from oppression and will not live in fear. I am born of God. An evil one does not touch me. I am holy and without blame before him in love. I am renewed in the knowledge of God and no longer want to live in my old ways or nature before I accepted Christ. I am merciful. I do not judge others and I forgive quickly. As I do this by God's grace, he blesses my life. I am chosen by God who called me out of darkness. I am born again spiritually transformed, renewed and set apart for God's purpose through the living and everlasting word of God. I am God's workmanship, created in Christ to do good works. I am a new creation in Christ. Stop there for a second. Think about that one. Think about the truth of that. I am a new creation. That means that you leave today different. That means that God literally wants to create something completely new in you, a creation. You don't have to live in who you once were. Let's keep going. In Christ, I am dead to sin and alive to God. As I hear God's word, I do what it says and I am blessed in my actions. I am a joint heir with Christ. I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. I have overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony. I am equipped to live in his divine nature. I am an ambassador for Christ. I am the righteousness of God. I have right standing with him in Jesus Christ. I am the light of the world. I am chosen by God, forgiven and justified through Christ. I am redeemed, forgiven of all my sins through Christ. I am greatly loved by God. I am strengthened with power according to his glorious might. I am not ruled by fear because the Holy Spirit lives in me and gives me his power, love, and self-control. Can we stand this morning? You are greatly loved by God. The scripture tells us that. For some of us, I think we need to make this routine. Maybe just a single one every day. You wake up in the morning, and the reason I wrote these down, I want you to keep this. 
And maybe Monday morning you wake up and you say, I am the righteousness of God. I have right standing with him. And so all the condemnation of the enemy that wants to come over your mind and over your life and try to say that God doesn't like you because you messed up last night or maybe you sinned this morning and now you're not right with him, you can really say, I am the righteousness of God. Or maybe you feel loved or, or lonely and you don't feel loved. You can say, I am greatly loved, greatly loved by God. Can we change our confession? Can we exchange lies for truth? I think we need to today. So we're going to do. We have communion, so maybe the communion folks can come up. And uh, I asked I asked Gabe to play I Speak Jesus because, man, there is something powerful in his name. And this is what I would like for you to do. As you come up to the table, so you come forward. There's some tables in the back. I believe there's a round table somewhere. Am I right about that? He's pointing this direction. Small round table that has gluten-free on it. So if you need gluten-free, it's right over there. It has been kept separate from the others. But why don't you come forward and get the elements and then go back to your seat. But as you come forward, this is what I want you to do. Ask God to point out what are some of the confessions that have been lies. And then ask God to start to speak to you. What are the confessions I need to exchange those for? So as they sing and as they play, come forward, and then we'll take communion together. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.